Merry Christmas, everyone. So glad to have you this morning as we celebrate Christmas 2014. How about another quick round of applause for our kids and our children's ministry? They did an amazing job. They've been working really hard on that. So if you are a guest with us, welcome to Epic. We're so glad that you came today. My name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we are ending a series that we've been in throughout the month of December called Once Upon a Time. Now, being the creative geniuses that we are, we borrowed, or you could probably say stole, the idea for our Christmas series from a fairly popular TV series out by that title. So just out of curiosity, how many of you are familiar with the TV series Once Upon a Time? All right, so about half of us. So those of you who aren't familiar with it, let me explain it a little bit. So the concept behind that TV series is they take all the fairy tale stories that we know and love, stories like Peter Pan and Cinderella and Pinocchio, and they suggest that maybe there's more to the story than we realize. And so that TV series goes on to tell us all the stuff that's happening behind our favorite fairy tale stories. So when I was thinking about that, that uh, concept with the Christmas story, I, I thought, you know what, that's very similar to the Christmas story. You know, we kind of do the same stuff with the Christmas story. We think we know the Christmas story, but do we really? Maybe there's a story behind the story. Maybe there are stories behind the story that we think that we know. So we, we look at baby Jesus wrapped warmly in a blanket that, you know, his mom probably bought at Kohl's or Bell's and... You know, we think, you know, that must have been just a magical moment, and Mary and Joseph must have loved, you know, giving birth to baby Jesus in a stable. I mean, just like a Hallmark movie, you know? I mean, we get all warm, fuzzy feelings inside when we see that, and yet that stuff didn't happen. That's not the world that Jesus was born into. Jesus' life was threatened the moment he was born. He was born into a very dangerous environment. And we saw that last week with the story behind the story of King Herod. So that was the king that was ruling during the time of Jesus' birth. And he did everything he could to end the life of Jesus because he was threatened by this little baby who would grow up to be a shepherd for his people. So there's much more to the Christmas story than we fully realize. And so we're going to explore today the story behind the story of Mary and Joseph. And this is the young couple that God selected to be the earthly parents to Jesus. And there's a lot in their story that I think we don't fully realize. I don't think we fully realize what it meant for them to trust God and say yes to what God was asking them to do. So before we dive into that, let's just pause for a quick word of prayer together. So join me in a, in a quick prayer. God, thank you uh, for this opportunity to celebrate uh, Christmas 2014. There's an opportunity for us to celebrate the birth of our Savior, that you sent Jesus, God who became flesh for us, the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And today, Lord, we're going to look at this amazing story behind the story of Mary and Joseph. And Lord, there's a lot to this story that I don't think we fully grasp. I don't think we fully understand what it meant when you came along and asked them to do a very difficult thing. So Lord, I pray that you would speak powerfully to all of us through their story. In Jesus' name, amen. It was serious between Joseph and me. We had just gotten through the betrothal ceremony, so we were engaged, but not quite married. 
We are engaged. Promises have been made. Obligations have been initiated. I was merely waiting for the right time to come for my bride. I was preparing for the wedding day, which was the day that Joseph would come for me and the two of us would celebrate our marriage together. But then one day, an angel appears. He tells me that I am a favored one and that the Lord is with me. That was shocking enough, but then he tells me that I will conceive and bear a son, but not just any son, the son of the Most High, the Messiah. But I am a virgin. How could this be? How could this happen? She's with child yet swears that she is a virgin. She's engaged to me. She's supposed to be faithful to me. She's supposed to wait for me. If she's never been with a man, how could she be with child? The angel said that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and that the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. I stare at him in disbelief because he assures me that nothing will be impossible with God. I mean, surely as the Lord is my God, I know that all things are possible. It's just, what am I going to say to Joseph? What do I tell my father? What do I tell my friends? That this bride of mine is a liar who has committed an unforgivable sin against me and my house? No. I don't want to shame her. Everything was going so well. It was only a matter of time before the wedding. I must end things quietly to spare us both the shame that would result from this pregnancy. I'm sure that Joseph will end things probably quietly because he's such a kind man, but he has to officially divorce me. But I know he will do everything in his power to make sure it doesn't end up being a big deal around town. It hurts, but I have to accept what God has proposed for my life even if it means not marrying Joseph. I'm scared. I'm really scared. I don't know what my family will do or what my village will do. I mean, Nazareth may not be the most standing of cities, but even here, I will be an outcast as an unwed mother. If all the things that she says are true, I don't know. I just, I mean, how, how could, could this, this be, be God's plan? plan? So I have to tell you how strange of a skit that is for me. Um, for those of you who don't know, the girl playing Mary is my daughter, okay? She's 16. All right, so I'm not ready for all this getting married and having a baby kind of stuff. And the interesting thing for the real Mary was neither was she. She wasn't ready for what all this meant when the angel showed up to, to tell her that she had found favor with God and to tell her that she would give birth to the Son of God. She wasn't ready for all that. In Luke chapter uh, 1, it tells us that in verse 26. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And, and I love how verse 29 records kind of her internal response, she, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And I think you and I would be confused and disturbed too if an angel showed up and said, hello, favored one of God. I think we'd be a little confused, a little disturbed, maybe afraid. And that's what Mary was. She was afraid in that moment. And so the angel continued and said, Mary, don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. 
He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary heard this and her response was awesome. This sounds great. Love it. Count me in. Now, if you know the story, Mary, confused, disturbed, afraid, said, I don't know how this is possible. I'm still a virgin. How can this happen? So the angel continued, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but now she's in her sixth month. Four, nothing is impossible with God. I think we all need to remember that. We all need to remember that nothing is impossible with God. So no matter what situation you find yourself in, no matter what difficult situation, a scenario, they're like, I I don't know how this is possible. This can't work out to be good. Nothing is impossible with God. And so Mary responded in this amazing way. Try to put yourself in her spot and what you'd be thinking and how you would respond. And so Mary, young Mary, says, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Now, let's just think for a moment about what would be her reality when she says yes to this, when she says yes to God, when she trusts God in this moment, in this very difficult scenario. She would have to go tell her fiance, Joseph, that she was pregnant. And oh yeah, the father of the baby is God. Like imagine having that conversation with your fiance. Imagine having that conversation with your family, then with his family, and then with your friends, people maybe you go to school with, maybe people that you work with. Imagine having that conversation and people going, oh, really? Wow, that sounds fantastic. I can't believe that. That's happening. That's great. Good for you. Everybody would hear her and say, you're lying. She'd be labeled as an adulteress. Most likely, Joseph would call off the engagement, and she would probably live the rest of her life with her parents maybe with another family member who would take her in. Nobody else would really want her around because she had betrayed her husband while engaged. Now, engagement in those days was a little different than what it is today. So today, if you're engaged with somebody, you want to call it off, call it off. And you know, the worst thing you have is you maybe you've ordered some things and you got to tell people not to show up for the ceremony. But in those days, uh, they were legally married already. The thing that was left was the the ceremony and consummating the relationship, but they had already entered a legally binding agreement. There was no easy way out of this one. Mary could not just sweep this under the rug and say, well, it just didn't work out. We just called it off. No, she would have to face public scrutiny of her entire community. Everyone would know what Mary had done, what Mary had supposedly done. This was a big deal for Mary to say yes to what God had for her. But as bad as all that sounds, the biggest thing that Mary would have been concerned about would have been death. See, bigger than what other people would think about her. She had shamed her family so her father could legally have her killed. Joseph could legally have her killed. The the entire community that she lived in could legally join in together in her execution for what she had done. So this was a major deal for Mary Death would have certainly preoccupied her mind. So for Mary to say, may everything that you have said come true would mean she was willing to be rejected for all of her life. 
by the people that know her and love her. The rest of her life, people would think, yeah, that's the girl that made up the story. That's the girl that had an affair, tried to hide it by saying it was God's child. And she was even willing to face death in order to obey God. So imagine if you ladies were in Mary's sandals, what would you do? How would you respond? Would you trust God in that very difficult moment with that very difficult thing that that God was asking of you? Or would you say, no thanks, pick somebody else? That doesn't seem like the very nice Hallmark movie that we make Christmas out to be. Now let's consider for a moment Joseph's side of the story. Matthew chapter one, verse 18 says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, he had every legal right to disgrace her publicly. He could say, listen, she, she had an affair with another man, and the whole community could join in on her public disgrace. But Joseph was a good man. He didn't want to do that. He didn't want to hurt her. He didn't want to retaliate against her. He didn't want to get back at her for what she supposedly had done to him. So he considered, like, what do I do? He thought very hard about how to end this quietly to protect this young girl that he loved. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, it tells us, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, guys, put yourself in Joseph's spot, okay? So you wake up after a dream like that, and you think, like, what did I eat last night? What was that all about? If that is true, if that dream is true, it gives you some clarity on what to do. You're deciding. You don't know how to handle this situation, so it gives you a little bit of clarity. But if that dream is true, how does it help anything? How does it make things better? All right, so you're going to take this information and you're going to go tell your family, your friends, everybody in your community what? It's okay, everybody. Like, had a dream, angel appeared. You know, the, the father's baby really is God, so it's, it's all okay. Now, you go and tell everybody in your community that, and they think you're as crazy as Mary. Like, oh, did she buy you off? Did she try to bribe you to try to hide this thing? Like, you're part of, the, part of this dysfunction now? You want us to believe that what she said is true? So this dream may give you some clarity, but it doesn't really help your situation with everybody around and what they're thinking about you And what's happened to Mary? Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. Now think what that meant for Joseph. So Joseph was communicating to everyone in his community, um, I I trust Mary. And most of the people in his community would think, oh, that's the guy. Uh, He didn't have the guts to confront Mary for her betrayal. That's the guy who's going to raise another man's baby. That's that guy. Like, he just didn't have what it takes to follow through and do what most of us should do. So for for Joseph, he stood to lose status in his community. He stood for his community to think, you're just uh, believing the lie and going along with this lie that Mary came up with. 
And so this would be, was a major decision for Joseph to marry Mary. But I love the response of these two. It should be easy for us to see why God picked them to be Jesus' earthly parents in a very difficult situation that God had put both of them in. They said, yes. They said, we'll trust you. We'll trust you above what everybody else thinks about us. It, it doesn't matter. We'll trust you and we'll do what you've asked us to do. They were willing to be rejected by their family, by their friends. They were even willing to face death if it came to that in order to obey God. So if you were in their sandals, what would you do? Would you say yes to that very difficult thing? Or would you say, God, go pick somebody else? Like, I don't think I really want to be involved in that. I don't think I want to live with the stigma that this will follow me the rest of my life and everybody around me will think bad things about me, that I'm just a liar. What would you do? Now, ladies, most likely an angel isn't going to appear to you and tell you that you're giving birth to God's son, okay? So if that happens, please come let me know. We'll get you to a local hospital and, you know, a psychological evaluation will do some great things maybe for you in that situation. And guys, I doubt God's going to show up or an angel's going to show up and tell you that you need to marry somebody who thinks they're having God's baby. So I doubt either of those things are going to happen to any of us. But what is God asking you to do this Christmas season? I know God's asking all of us to do something. What is God asking you to do? Maybe you've always looked at the Christmas story as a nice, cute little fairy tale. And maybe God's asking you to believe that it's really true, that God really did become flesh, that Jesus became flesh to die so that we could live. Maybe God is asking us to really believe it's a true story, that God became flesh and was born to a virgin girl who was willing to face a lifetime of persecution and even die if it would mean other people could receive the gift of eternal life. Now, if you believe that, if you really believe in the Christmas story, uh, you might face some persecution around the Christmas uh, time, around the Christmas dinner with all your family and friends. If you say, like, I really believe that, they, make, they may make fun of you. They may think you drank way too much of the Kool-Aid at church. I mean, they may think you are off your rocker. How could you believe such a crazy fairy tale? It's just a fairy tale. It's just a nice little thing that we tell people around Christmas time to make it a little bit more religious. You might face some persecution, but are you willing to face that? Are you willing to face a little bit of ridicule in order to receive the greatest gift that could ever be given? Are you willing to be like Mary and Joseph and say, God, I'll trust you. I know this is crazy. And this is crazy. I'm not going around telling people I believe the Christmas story. But God, I trust you. I trust that it's a real story. And it's a real story for me. It contains the greatest gift that I could ever receive, the gift of Jesus. I believe in the Christmas story. If you've never received the gift of Jesus, I'm going to guide us all through a short prayer in just a moment that will help you receive that gift and as I say, anytime that I explain this prayer, um, there's nothing magical about the words that we're about to pray, okay? So this isn't the secret code, right? So this isn't the thing, all right, I say that and I'm in with God. This is not what this means, all right? Uh, what we're about to walk through is a prayer of declaration. It's a prayer of belief. It's a core belief that we say, I believe Jesus is who he said he was. I believe he came to earth. God became flesh for me. 
I believe Jesus died so I can live. Listen to what John 3.16 says. It says, for God loved the world so much that he gave. He gave the ultimate Christmas gift, and here it is. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So eternal life, living forever, is based upon belief in Jesus Christ. So here's the prayer that I'm going to guide us through. It's going to come up on your screen here. I'm going to read through this for just a moment, and then I'm going to pray through it. So let's just read through it and understand a few elements about it. So here it goes. God, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. We've all sinned, whether little sins or big sins. Any sin separates us from God, and we've all messed up in some way. And so God says, you need a savior. God says, I'll be that savior. Jesus said, I'll be that savior. I'll come and die so they can live. I'll help repair what they have messed up. I'll fix what they have broken. So we need a savior. I believe Jesus is that savior and was born to die so I can live. I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord, and I commit to follow you the rest of my life. Again, these aren't magical fairy tale words. Okay, you don't pray that and then instantly I'm in with God forever. What God cares about is the sincerity of our hearts as we pray this. It's the content of the prayer. So whether it's these words that you use or not, what God cares about is this is our core belief, a statement of declaration, belief that Jesus is who he said he is, that the Christmas story is a real story. So I'm going to guide us through this prayer. And if you've never prayed this prayer before, and if you would like to this morning, if you'd like to receive the gift of Jesus, I encourage you to pray these words after me quietly in your heart to God. You can pray other words if you would like. Just again, it's the content that matters, that we really believe Jesus is who he said he was. So let's all bow our heads, and I'm just going to guide us through this prayer. And if you would like to pray this for the first time this morning, do so quietly in your heart. God, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe Jesus is that Savior and was born to die so I can live. I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord. And I commit to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've just prayed that prayer for the first time, and if you meant that, if there was sincerity in your heart and you really believe in the Christmas story, you really believe that Jesus is God's greatest gift to you, then you have just been adopted into God's family. And the Bible teaches there's a party going on in heaven in your honor. How cool is that? God throws a party in heaven every time one lost sinner is found. Every time one person says, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the miracle of Christmas. So... Uh, the next best thing to do after receiving the gift of Jesus is to learn how to grow in that relationship. And there's several ways that you can do that. So one of the ways I encourage you to do that is to read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, grab one of our paperback Bibles on your way out as our free gift to you. And we've got some resources back at our Connection Center that can help you learn how to read the Bible and where to start in the Bible. I encourage you to start in the book of John. Great place to get more acquainted with Jesus. And also at our Connection Center, we have a one-page document that's titled, I Gave My Heart to Jesus, What's Next? That document can help you develop a plan 
just a plan for growing your relationship with God. So again, I encourage you to grab one of those before you leave today and just start reading through it throughout this week and following along with what it says. Again, if you've prayed that prayer this morning, welcome to the family of God. Now, let me talk to those of you who may already be a part of the family of God. Maybe you already believe in the Christmas story. Maybe you've already received the gift of Jesus. What might God be asking you to do? Maybe for some of you, God is asking you to fully engage in a relationship with him. Maybe like you have that relationship, but you've been kind of a partial follower. Like when it works for you, you're following, you do certain things that you feel like, you know, help your relationship with God, but you're not fully in. Maybe what God is asking you to do is to be like Mary and Joseph and say, God, I'm in. I will fully trust you with whatever. Like, I'll trust you with, with uh, people at work and what they're going to think about me if I just say, like, I'm a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to trust you with what people at school are going to think about me, what people in my neighborhood are going to think about me. I'm really going to live what I say I believe. Now, if you do that, you stand to face some persecution and some ridicule. You might lose some friends. Some friends might say, you believe that whacked out story? You're really going to live that? That's craziness. You might lose some clients at work. You might lose some perks at the office. I mean, I don't know. You may lose any number of things. But are you willing to say, God, I trust you because God is fully committed to us. He wants us to be fully committed to him. So are you willing this Christmas to show God that you are fully committed to him by the way that you live? Now, others of you, maybe there's a trust issue going on, and maybe God is asking you to trust him with something in your life. Maybe like you're really struggling right now with a financial issue, a relationship issue, a health issue, any number of issues. You're really struggling with whether you can trust God this Christmas, and maybe God is saying, I can be trusted. Just trust me with this. I can handle it. I can handle whatever this scenario is. I can help you walk through this. I can bring good out of bad. Like I can be trusted. So maybe God is asking you to trust him. I don't know what God might be specifically saying to you in your unique situation, but I truly believe God is talking to all of us this morning. God is asking each and every one of us to do something or to believe something. So what is it for you? And what will you do? Will you be like Mary and Joseph? Will you say, I'm in. I'm scared to death, but I'm in. I trust you. I'll believe that. I'll do that. I'll I'll live that way. I'll trust you with that thing. What will you do this Christmas season? Now, we're going to transition and take communion together. And, you know, it's always interesting to me that we're celebrating Jesus' death the day we're celebrating his birth. But we can't separate those two events. Jesus' primary mission in life was to be born to die so we can live. So those events are eternally connected. So let me tell you how we do communion here at Epic. Uh, We've got um, some communion tables, two up front, two in the back that have communion elements on them. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, whether this morning or if you've done that before in your life, you are welcome to take communion with us. You're invited to take communion with us, whether you call us your church home or not. We'd love for you to participate with us. So in a minute, I'm gonna pray. And then after I pray, our worship team's gonna come out. They're gonna guide us through a song. During that song will be your cue to get up and come to one of these tables. So when you come to the table, you'll find little pieces of bread that represent Christ's body that was broken for us. You'll find little cups of juice that represent Christ's Christ's blood that was poured out for us. So when you come to the table, just pick up a piece of bread, pick up a cup of juice. You can step to one side so other people can come behind you, or you can go back to your seat and sit down while the song is being played.
Now, before you take the elements during this song, I encourage you to have a conversation with God about the thing that he's asking you to do. Say, God, what are you asking me to do this Christmas season? What is it? Have open ears to what God has to say. And then talk to God about how you are going to engage it. Say, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust you. Whatever that thing is, whether it's believing in you or doing a certain thing or trusting you with a certain issue, like I'm going to do it. I'm not going to wait to the new year. I'm going to do it now. Today's the day of declaration for me. I'm going to walk out of here different today than, than the way I walked in. So have a conversation with God about the thing that he's talking to you about throughout this service, and then go ahead and take the communion elements. By the end of the song, everyone should have finished communion together. So hopefully that all makes sense, all right? So in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says this. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray together. God, I'm so encouraged to see how Mary and Joseph responded to this very difficult thing that you asked them to do. Through them and their obedience, you brought God in the flesh into our world. And God, you want us to be like Mary and Joseph. You want us to respond the way that they did. You want us to say yes to you and trust you regardless of what anyone else thinks. You want us to be people who have a strong relationship with you, people who aren't afraid to talk about your amazing love, people who aren't afraid to live the way that you want us to live. So God, this morning, you're asking all of us to do something. For some of us, maybe it's belief in you, belief in the Christmas story, belief that Jesus really is your gift to us. For others of you, it's grow in that new relationship, the thing that you want us to do. You want us to, to grow, to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Others of us need to decide to be fully in, to be fully engaged, to be fully committed. Maybe there's a trust issue that many of us have that we're just struggling to trust you with something and you're saying this morning, trust me with that. I can be trusted with that relationship issue. I can be trusted with that health issue. I can be trusted with that job issue. So Lord, I know you're speaking this morning to all of us. And I pray that we would be like Mary and Joseph and we would say, yes, I trust you. I'll do it. I'll believe it. I'll trust you with that issue. I'll become a fully devoted follower of yours. Lord, give us the strength that we need to do that. And thank you for the gift of Jesus. Merry Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. You can go ahead and be seated. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Merry Christmas. Uh, my name is Tim Jones and I'm one of the pastors here on staff and we are so glad that you're here with us today. If you're new today, uh, Man, thank you so much for being here with us today, and we would love to meet you. So please stop by our Connection Center, and if you have any questions about Epic, we would love to be able to answer those questions 
for you as well. Well, next week, if you show up, you might be the only person that shows up next week, okay? So just a little heads up, don't do that. Uh, Next week, we are not having services, and that's simply to honor all of our volunteers. It's to honor you guys to be able to spend time with your family and your friends. Uh, Please feel welcome to go out to maybe another church that maybe your extended family attends or your friends attend and just spend that time together and celebrating the season together as well. And then if you call Epic your home, um, there's a way that you can give back. And so through giving. And so if, there's, uh, if you attend Epic on a regular basis, there's two ways that you can give. You can give through our giving boxes located at the end of each section. And then also online at theepicchurch.com. And if you're wondering about end of the year uh, contributions, just check out your announcement sheet and that will direct you on how to do that uh, as well. And then January 4th, we are picking back up with our brand new series uh, called Restart or Reset. And uh, there is a card uh, in your seats. And this series, we would love for you to invite your family, uh, your friends. It is a series about resetting or kind of starting uh, again. And so if you're in need of a reset or starting again, uh, or if you know someone uh, who's kind of in that uh season of life, uh, please invite them on out. It'll be a great series uh, as we learn how to just kind of reset and reset with God. Well, today we are so thankful that you're here with us today as we celebrate Christmas, and we just want you to sit back and enjoy the rest of the service.